Welcome to Red Hill Stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. I am your host, Lyle Walker. With me today is... Justin Hall. Justin Hall. Uh, Before we get started on the episode, I always want to remind everybody that if this is your first time uh, checking on the podcast, um, I encourage you to go... One, you can get it on iTunes. If you're listening to Say It Off the website, you can go to iTunes and subscribe. You can go to, say, um, Spotify and also subscribe that way as well. Or you can just go to the website um, and listen to it that way. So I always encourage you to go back and listen to the other episodes. We've got... This is Season 2, Episode 3, actually. So we're chugging along here. Um, but if you want to check back on uh, the first season, we got seven or eight episodes from, from last season. So... Excited to start this conversation with you, Mr. Justin Hall. I'm excited. You're excited to, con- to converse with you. To converse with <laughs> to converse with me to have a yeah, discussion. Absolutely, and uh, have people listen in. Yeah, yeah. From their car or home or park or wherever they are. That's right. This is kind of different because we've always done this, and then last episode with Marshall was the live, which was actually really cool. I really liked the live. I did too. The live style. Uh, okay, Mr. Justin. So um, for those of you who are uh, maybe new to the podcast. We always like to start out something because of the, the design. Because so like, again, if this is your first time listening, the, the heart behind Red Hill Stories uh, is to get to know people on a, on a more personal level. Because, you know, on Sundays, Justin, I mean, you've you've led worship at Red Hills. You've worked with the kids at Red Hills. Uh, you've been around, gosh, seven years, I guess. You've been yeah, about that's seven right. Years. Um, so people know who you are. And unless, but unless they've come to your house or you've gone to lunch with folks, which you guys are great about. Which we, we, we wish we could do more. Uh, don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody asks me, why don't we go to lunch a lot, at, make me and April after church? And I'm like, because I'm there. Right. I want to go home. I want to yeah. get on my couch right. um, and take a nap. That's and what I Then you got those seasons where, like right now, Ashley is, as of today, 38 weeks pregnant. Oof. So for the last 38 weeks, well, more recently, like yeah, we yeah. haven't been able to really make lunch plans yeah, or yeah, it's anything difficult. like that. She's just like, I want to go lay down. That's right. <laughs> Take a nap. Rightly so. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, so because of that, because we, we most of Sundays is a kind of fly-by, small talk, how was your weekend, how was your – you don't really get to know people. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea behind stories is, one, to uh, kind of shine a bright like you know, the corner, the phrase I have coined is shine a bright light on Jesus in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. what has he done? What has he brought us from? What has he saved us from? Right. Um, mm-hmm. We all have similar stories in that regard, but there's are there are moments uh, that we've been through, and there's things that we God has brought us through uh, that we need to tell people about. People need to know. Absolutely. And and I and and the, then the hope from that is that on Sundays, it there's that barrier, that wall that's been put up that I don't really know Justin uh, that well. Uh, if someone were to listen to this podcast and listen to the episode, they would immediately know you just a little bit better. Absolutely. And it could open up the opportunity for, you know, you to have discussions with people that you probably would never even be able to have because now there's a connection like, Oh, I went through that thing too. Can we talk about that? You know? Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the heart behind stories. Right. Okay. So we, we always start out with. Uh, a funny antidote about someone because I think again this um, I have many people walk up to me and tell me they also are afraid of roaches and I appreciate that mm-hmm. um, and so uh, Justin Hall uh, what is something that uh, people don't like something about you that people don't know much you know, don't know about yeah well um, there's a few things but the one thing that really came to mind um, 
is something that uh, I was like, okay, I, I'm definitely going to share this because in season one, there was a model. Ooh. Right? I figured mm-hmm. season. Jameson? Se- yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like this season needs another model. Ooh, we got to be known. So I was a model okay. for a job once. Okay. Um, I love you, but I'm, I'm going to ask what type of model? So uh, this was during my career change. Okay. Like after uh, I was a pastor. Uh huh. And uh, it was a temp position. And I was a heart model at oh. TMH for ultrasound. Wait, they took an ultrasound of your heart? Yeah. Sony had developed a new ultrasound which could get capture a 3D image of um, organs and okay. have it displayed on the screen. And in particular, yeah, yeah, yeah. they wanted to do a training with their techs um, of analyzing the heart. And so I was a heart model. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, two things. Yeah. Not what I was expecting, but also kind of cool. Yeah. That's 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 actually. How did they deter? <laughs> in the casting call, in the casting call, and they had a bunch of people like in the room. How did they determine? It was got- <laughs> it was simply at that time I was looking for any type of work because okay. I had left my ministry job. Uh, without having anything lined up. Okay. And that's completely out of my character. I usually have something lined up when yeah, I'm yeah. leaving the job. But uh, I signed up for this tip, t- this local temp agency here in town. And um, randomly one day, the gentleman th- that runs it, he called me and was like, hey, Justin, would you be interested in earning $50 an hour? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that sounds like great. Or no, it was $100 an hour. Okay, even better. Because I ended up working for... Um, no, it was 50 bucks an hour. Okay. And I ended up working there for four hours straight, just laying right. there on a hospital bed. Just taking some and pictures And they have of your heart. the little thing on the side of my ribs. Were you somewhat out. nervous that they were going to come back and tell you like, uh, Justin, I'm sorry to tell you, but your heart's failing or something like that? That, that me and the other guy that was in there, really? he was he was a hoot. He was a lot of fun to be in there with. Right. He was like, you know, what if they like find something bad with one of my chambers in my heart? And I say that because that's the only thing I know about the heart. There's four chambers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know well, what? It's a possibility. Hey, free diagnosis, right? Yeah, here. that's right. And then there's, I'm already at a hospital, and I'm getting paid for the diag. <laughs> you know, if I do get a diagnosis, I'm getting paid for it. Oh, that's great. Okay, no, but well, I thought I'd do that as a little um, shout out back. Yeah, to Yeah, I wasn't sure it was like male pattern baldness or something like a Rogaine commercial or mm. something. You know, mm-hmm. um, but the heart was not what I was expecting. I think I had my hair at that time. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. You hadn't shaved it. Hadn't hadn't committed yet. Hadn't committed yet. I was still holding on you know those to what the, I had. You always know those guys. You can tell. It's like, it's just time. Yeah. It's, it's, I hear a local sports talk guy talks about how important it is for the, a man who's losing his hair just to say, you know what, dude? We all can see it. Mm-hmm. We all know what's happening. Mm-hmm. You just need to accept it um, and yeah. just go. And it's freeing. Yeah, I'm it, sure it, it was very it freeing. It really is because I was on my way to the, uh, the U shape. Mm. So around the top of my head, it would be gone. And then the sides, like even now, even still, it's very thick on the side. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I don't want the U. It does not go with my figure. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I'm 39 and I'm blessed with a full head of hair. But mm-hmm. I have a high forehead. But like it ain't receding. It's been like that since I was like I got you. probably 15, 16 years old. I've always just had a high forehead. So, so. you've aged into your forehead. Yes, I have aged into my forehead. Right. <laughs> That's correct. That's great. Okay. 
Enough with the silliness. We're here to talk about Jesus, not our yes. foreheads. All right. So. Your ju- forehead. Mine wasn't mentioned. <laughs> well, you had a U. The I forehead know, just keeps. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. We're going to get serious here. Yes. Uh, Justin. Mm-hmm. What is your story? Okay. Well, um, brief background on where I'm from. I'm from Altmore, Alabama. Uh, grew up on a farm. Uh, my mom and dad. I had an older sister. Uh, still have that older sister. I don't know why I said had, but uh, she's six years older. Always has been. Uh, uh, her name's Shannon. Uh, my mom's name is Alice, and my dad's name is uh, James. Everyone calls him Junior. Um, and so, yeah, growing up on a farm, I did a lot of uh, work there uh, with them, and I was really blessed to be able to um, witness their manual labor and seeing all that they did for our family. Um, you know, I got the privilege of seeing my parents and family in the midst of their annual labor, and I witnessed um, the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into the farm. Looking back, um, I am so grateful for that. I got to see um, my parents in a light that I th- I really honestly feel like a lot of kids don't get to see a whole lot of. Mm. Um, you know, seeing them work tirelessly from dusk to dawn no because you got to you got to see your parents actually work because most kids they go to school go to the lock key yeah yeah Yeah. they they go to an office their parents go to an office and everybody comes all my kids all the time are asking me uh, grayson my youngest seven she asked me yesterday daddy what do you do at work Uh uh-huh and then i'm i'm like uh well she's seven so she's not going to understand anything other than i look at computer screen all day basically mm-hmm. uh so yeah you could you got to actually like witness the hard work that goes into how your family was structured and the fact that you had food on the table was because of the hard work of your parents so that's yeah right and i really believe that really fed into the type of relationship i was able to have with them hmm. um i i, I even though there were times where I, I wasn't 100% understanding all the time of, of the reasons yeah. why they would make decisions the way they would um, regarding me and how much I wanted to do outside of the home, like far as get involved with other things. Right. Um, you know, it takes money, hmm. you know, for all these other things. Um, so anyway, I'm so grateful. Hmm. That's good. Um, looking back uh, at that. Um, but yeah, but but another part of my, my story um, I, I view it as the the coin. Hmm. I, I kind of break it up like that, where there's a bright side of the coin and then there's a dark side of the coin. Yeah. yeah. So I'll start off with the bright side of the coin. Okay. And that for me was church. Hmm. Church was my safe haven. It was a place where I got to use my gifts, um, you know, and I was able to develop new talents. Um, I was I was very involved with the children's ministry from age 11 to like. 19. Hmm. Um, you know, I did puppets, I did skits, I helped with the, you know, the, the AVL, the production side mm-hmm. of things. Um, uh, you know, working with children was always something that I was highly involved with. Um, even on days where I wasn't like kind of scheduled to work, um, if my parents were trying to find me after a church service, especially on Sunday mornings, they'd be like, oh, we can't find him. Oh, well, let's just go to the kids' wing. You mm-hmm. know, let's. He's going to be there. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be there with the babies. Right. And that's where I would be. Um, another thing about church is I served on the youth group's drama team from the age of like 12 to 18. Okay. And in, in order to get into the drama team, you had to go through um, a discipleship class. Hmm. And I had to memorize the books of the Bible and I had to, 
you know, take a legitimate class on Sunday mornings during Sunday school. Oh, wow. And, um, and then once I completed that, then I could join the thing. And so um, it was through that experience that I really began to make, connect the dots. Okay. Of like, because uh, I grew up in church ever since a little kid. And I remember, you know, sitting in very traditional churches mm-hmm. where it's very like the hymnals are being sung from hymnal books. Hmm. And um, there's a pianist and then a, uh, a worship leader with the hymnal directing people with their hand and the choir and the congregation. So it was very, very old school. I remember that. But like fast forward to me being 12. Prior to... Um, a Sunday night service when would be the typical time we would do a drama to, to music, a mm-hmm. human video. Yeah, yeah. Really. We would have time of prayer where we would pray for anointing. We would pray that God would move in the people's hearts and being 12 years old, holding hands with these older teenagers, hmm. praying. And, um, and we, everyone took turns praying mm-hmm. like down the thing. And I remember my sister praying, that people's hearts would be changed, turned to you. And it was during that prayer of like hearing all these, these teenagers that I looked up to tremendously when they got to me, I was like, well, I don't want to just squeeze the next person's hand. So it just, so I don't have to pray because <laughs> people had that option, but I just wanted to say something. <clears throat> and so I remember taking that time to really pray. And so it was during that time, during that prayer session before my first time ever doing a human video at church, uh, You're gonna have to explain that term. I will in a moment. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know they're probably wondering what <laughs> is human, that human video. It's very, it's very odd. It's very odd outside okay. of that culture. Okay, you're gonna of yeah. the AG. Okay, gotcha. Assemblies of God, AG. <laughs> um, so that was it. Was then when I began to sink my teeth into the heart behind ministry, hmm. and I loved it. Hmm. I wanted more of that. Okay. I wanted to be used. I wanted to to glorify God in that way, and and it started out when I was around twelve. Okay. So human videos. Side right. note: human videos is essentially an acting out uh, of scenes, uh, creating scenes um, while a song is being played, like from a CD yeah. or pre-recorded. So, um, for example, you know that Cademan Call slash Third Day song called um, uh, "God of Wonders." Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so the lyrics, it kind of goes through creation and Adam and Eve and all this stuff. And so all of that is acted out on a stage and um, with no words, it's right. just lip syncing to the song. And depending on who, what character is lip syncing, you'll know, oh, wow, this is God speaking to humanity. Right. So it's, it's through that and it can be very moving. And um, so I fell in love with that medium of, of um, art and um, ministry. And so anyway, I was highly involved all in all. I was highly involved at my church. Um, we also had like a thing called Fine Arts Festival, which was a thing known to the AG, yeah, yeah. Um, where there's many categories you can sign up for, like preaching, doing drama solos, where you actually speak, like mm-hmm. traditional acting. Right. You have drama solos, drama groups of various sizes, also human video groups of various sizes, um, poetry, art, visual art. So there's a lot of categories there. And so, and, and church, I found a lot of my identity and a lot of my uh, worth in church and the things I did for church, uh, with the church. And so fine arts was like a place where I could really uh, develop new things. Like I, I did my first sermon um, when I was like a junior in high school hmm. and I fell in love with that. 
because yeah. I, 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 I'm not scared to speak in front of people. Hmm. Um, and so, um, anyway, highly involved in the church. Uh, and you know, so I love the culture within it. And then I discovered as a culmination of everything I was involved with, with a lot of different ministries, I, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to become a youth pastor. Hmm. So that became the thing for hmm. me. Um, everything I did, I, I wanted to try to point in that direction. So that, that always stuck with me. So as I continue my story, just know that youth pastor was always in the back of my mind. Gotcha. Um, so that's the bright side of the coin. Okay. Church. The dark side of the coin, growing up in public school. <laughs> uh, I was bullied terribly. I had little to no friends. I always felt like I wasn't good enough or smart enough. Uh, you know, I was overweight. I may, looking back, I may or may not have had a really thick country accent. Really? Compared to the the my peers at that particular school in Alabama I went to. Because that was more of like a city school. Yeah, so, but anyway, I digress. Um, I, I, I was picked on terribly. Really? Yes. Um, I could go into v- few stories here and there, but there's not enough time. Yeah, and right. I'm sure there's kids in the car right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the listener. <laughs> I don't want to go into anything, but it was pretty terrible. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a lot of bad th- thoughts about what I would do to people. Mm. Um, it's a miracle that... Because um, you're not a small guy. I'm not a small guy. Yeah. But the thing is, like with that bully... Like you're what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, yeah. I was always the tallest in my class. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing. Bullies want to kind of pick on the one yep. that, that looks easiest, but they're big enough to where it's like, oh, come on, dude. Pick on someone your own size. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Justin is bigger than me. So, right, yeah. But he, he has a gentle... Gentle spirit. ...way yeah. about him, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I was bullied really bad at school. So with that, that big contrast between church life and school life, I wanted to fall completely into right. the church. Because when you're at school, you're picked on. When you're at church, you're accepted. Absolutely. And respected um, and heard hmm. um, by, by my peers and by the adults there. Um, it was just, like I said, a safe haven. Um, but yeah, so this was through elementary and middle school. Um, and then on into high school, my first two years of high school was at that actual school, Florida. I mean, Flamington High School. That's in Alabama. Um, you know, I tried to fit in there. I got into drum line. I enjoyed it, but still it just wasn't, I didn't feel accepted by the group. Yeah. Um, so, uh, at the end of my sophomore year, um, things worked out to where I could possibly transition to a Florida school. And like I said earlier, I lived, grew up right on the line. Okay. And so uh, I was like, Mom and Daddy, I, I, I cannot go back to Flomiton. Hmm. I hate that. Sc- I just, I can't. Yeah. I'm about to lose my mind. Hmm. Um, uh, and so we looked into it, and funny enough, we, we, lit with, we lived within a 50-mile radius of that Florida high school. Mm-hmm. Like, we literally lived like five miles away. Wow. So well within that radius. Yeah. And so I was able to go to a Florida high school. Even though you're from a different state. Absolutely. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. So so I transitioned to Northview High School, which was one of the best decisions ever made in Mm -hmm. my life. 
it was there that um, it was that it was there that I actually found friends, hmm. um, and I'm still in contact with um, with some of them today, like two in particular, Derek and Brian. Hmm. Love you guys, um, but um, but yeah, best decision ever. But the thing during that time was like there was a lot of change that happened for me physically mm-hmm. uh, between sophomore and junior year. Starting in so, uh, the summer before junior year, um, my dad had taken a um, uh, like a contracted side job of providing um, square bales of straw mm-hmm. for a, a contractor who was laying down water pipeline, and so they needed something to keep from the sides of the road from washing away. Right. <clears throat> so um, during between that summer and the summer before my senior year, we bailed um we we cut raked bailed and stacked with our own our own hands 5280 square uh square bales of straw Good Lord. and with each one we handled three times mm. and if you're listening and you're curious how we had that set up i would be glad to show <laughs> tell you how we did all that come find them on sunday but and, and a bale of hay is not light either. No. Well, yeah. with straw, it's a little lighter than usual hay. Okay, straw. Right, okay. Little, but the, the quantity that we yeah, did was... still a lot. And it was very hot. At that time, those summers were peaking hotter than it usually would, would have been leading up to that point. Hmm. Um, so I doing all that work, I lost a lot of weight, but I also went through a growth spurt where I grew, I grew a lot, hmm. like well over a foot and a half, hmm. almost two feet taller. Um, my hair grew out like I had long hair. <laughs> it was very thick then. So it was almost like my body was like, all right, all enjoy right. it. Yeah, that's right. It's all, we're going to get all the hair out <laughs> the beginning, and then you'll just be nada the rest of your life after 25. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I went through a lot of change and transitioning to a new high school. Okay. So like I could literally start all the way over mm. and I did. And, um, but before I did that, like I had a lot of great people in my corner, my sister, a few other friends that were from my youth group who went to Northview. So I, I was able to stay grounded and like, I, I loved the Lord. So mm-hmm. it's not like I wanted to go and just become a hellion and fit in with the popular crowd. Like that right, wasn't right. me. I went and, um, and just discovered a school where I just, I could tell like everyone treated each other with respect and there was various groups and cliques. Of course it happened. It, yeah. It's just natural. Um, but everyone treated, it just seemed like everyone treated each other with respect, mm. which was very unlike Flomaton high school. So, uh, going to this new high school, I eventually was able to become that guy who had a lot of attention, um, through my extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, I was, became known as a very strong actor, very strong vocalist, like in, in chorus and all the productions and type stuff. Um, that's It was that school where I learned how to play bass. Um, and so, and I was nice to everyone, but my aim, my aim was to make as many people like me as much as possible. So by college, I um, was able to, like I, I wasn't looking at, colleges at all Hmm. that kind of just happened i kind of slid into it um and so what i mean by that is uh uh, in high school like i said i was a pretty strong actor and vocalist and so my teacher who was over that department 
put my name in and I ended up getting some scholarships to Pensacola Junior College. Um, and so I ended up going there, was in, uh, I had to do productions and being vocal singing groups um, to maintain my scholarship. And so, uh, and, and in the middle of all that, I was still able to kind of still enjoy high school because a lot of my best friends went to PJC. And so we did a carpool. So it was just a continuation like um, of that, which was great. Um, but at this point at PJC, uh, during my main production, South Pacific, I got the second male lead for that. And I'm, you know, being a freshman, like that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very proud of that production. I got to sing really good music. I got to um, really showcase my vocal lessons, like what, what I'll have learned at, in college. And I was very proud of it. And uh, family and close friends came to a night showing mm -hmm. uh, one particular night. And, uh, and after it was all done, I was excited. I was changing. I came to the lobby to, you know, give them hugs and, right, right. you know, see what they thought. And everyone was like, oh, this is great. But then that one close friend uh, couldn't say anything, couldn't look at me, mm. really. It was because of uh, what my character in the play portrayed. Uh. And essentially, I played Lieutenant Cable, hmm. and uh, where that character has like a one night stand with like an island girl or something, and yeah. and so nothing was shown, but yeah, yeah. still the insinuation and everything it was vastly different from the productions I've done in the past, like in church. Uh, oh, okay, so. you know, like completely different. Right. And so at that point, I had that youth pastor goal in the back of my head to where it was kind of not, I wasn't thinking about it anymore Yeah. because I was enjoying theater. I was enjoying learning how to portray a character and, and, and everything and singing. So I was thinking, you know what? I think I might go theater route, go right. into acting, whether on stage or in front of a camera. So I was thinking about that. But at this moment when my friend could barely look at me hmm. and they were just really embarrassed hmm. for me, um, at first, I was really hurt by that. Like, what in the world is going on? Um, but then it really, as I chew on it a little bit further, I realized, I, I started reevaluating my direction. Did, was there? Was it ever vocalized, that disappointment? that in, Like, they were embarrassed? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's why I know. Okay. So um, it, and it, I could tell by the way they looked at me. It wasn't just a look. It was they verbalized. Then then yeah. later on they explained, okay, this is what happened. Uh, yeah. And so then I was be able to uh, I was able to reevaluate, which now looking back really and truly from today, looking back, mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for it because it caused me to really truly pause, reevaluate and 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 make an active decision because yeah. leading up to this, it was just me sliding into things yeah, yeah. and not really thinking intentionally. So looking back, I am very grateful for it. So I ended up quitting acting and singing and then I began to realize, okay, what, what can I major in? You know, I'm not at Bible college. I'm right. not at a Christian university seminary. I'm not there. What could I do that could get me something as close to that as possible? Okay. Psychology. Let's do this. So I go with uh, working on my AA um, around this time I, I meet Ashley. I was right after the South Pacific and, um, fell madly in love with her and we knew really fast hmm. that we were the one for each other. Aww. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I ended up following her to Tallahassee, uh, and I'm still working on my AA at this time. And, uh, and so I'm deciding on, uh, psychology. Um, 
And so at this time, when I get to Tallahassee, I get connected to the church that she's going to. And a lot of our friends, a lot of new friends of mine went there, highly involved. Um, and so uh, I got involved with the youth group. And yeah. so I'm like, this is natural. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reconsidering. back on that past. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm reconsidering, you know, like pursuing youth pastorship. And so I got involved uh, as a super volunteer in the middle of college serving with that youth group. Um, so at that time, I ended up switching from psychology to family and child sciences because I feel like that really be- would benefit me in the ministry setting a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Um, understanding the development of, of human beings from conception to death and then all the context in between regarding all seasons of life. Like I was able to really study that and I mired in religion. I'm like, you got it all let's covered. do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, so I feel really prepared at this point. And at this point, I'm doing part-time ministry at, starting at the age of 20 you know, at that church. Um, and so, uh, and then, so then I graduate from college end of 2011 and then a year and a half or so later, um, I'm fine. I finally arrived to my dream. And you're about how old are at this point? 25, 25 years. So yeah, I'm 25 at this point. I finally get a full time ministry position at the church. I had me going to for like five to six years at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there's a catch. So mind you, I have no formal training at all in teaching Bible. Hmm. I have, I have only experienced coordinating events and production, like small little things here and there. Um, But I'm not prepared for this job. I was a warm body that was kind of thrown at it uh, because I was willing and I was there itching to do it. Um, And you didn't, you didn't know maybe that you weren't prepared. So you didn't know to say no. No, I thought I was prepared. Yeah. You know, because I didn't go the traditional seminary route. I actually worked hard. You know, I'm thinking myself better than the person usually going for pastor positions. Um, I was kind of, I was really into myself. Yeah. um, uh, During this time. You're 25. 25. Yeah. 25 years old. So. Right. But, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know what? This isn't exactly what I wanted, but in time they'll eventually hire a children's pastor. That was mm. kind of promised to me. And then I can focus solely on youth. Um, so anyway, um, and the leadership, like they did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they attempted to help me, but in their way of helping me, it really just, um, what ended up happening was they would take over tasks. They would delegate, my work without my consent, which led me to ultimately feel like, uh, you know, feel very insecure and like, I'm not good enough. Like I'm right. just, when am I gonna, when am I gonna get there to where I can be trustworthy with this? Um, so in the middle of all of that, here's what I was able to not be able to focus on my relationship with God mm. and my relationship with, um, others. Yeah. The people I, I I'm, being paid to serve, yeah, you know, or being called to serve. Yeah. Um, and th- that's a good case in point right there. I started off by people I'm paid to serve, mm. you know, cause at that time I, I didn't feel that calling, Yeah, you know, like I, I you know, mentally, yeah. yeah, I'm called, I feel like I was called to it, but at a certain point during my time there full time, 
I, my first priority was, you know, I'm getting paid to do this. Like I need, I'm being paid to serve them. After 14 months as family's pastor, I submitted my resignation letter. That was the summer of 2014. And leading up to this moment, I was having anxiety attacks and I would randomly cry when I was by myself, like ugly crying. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would be driving. Because the burden was just... It was so much. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just a, a, a job. This was my dream job. This is what I wanted to do ever since I was 12. Regardless of me at times sliding into decisions with theater and whatever, what have you, there were, this was a huge thing wrapped around my identity and wrapped around my purpose, wrapped around how I would spend the rest of my life. There was a lot riding on this job. And so when I couldn't do a good job, mm-hmm. it called all of that into question. And I was very insecure. Mm-hmm. So it was during this time I was very far away from God. I was not relying on him. I was not in his word unless I was preparing and listening for a lesson or a sermon. Um, and even with that, like I would get sermons from curriculum and just regurgitate them. Mm. You know, I wasn't in it. I wasn't first letting it apply to me first and experience God's grace first. Yeah. And then to communicate that and pray that people will respond accordingly to however the Holy Spirit leads them. You know, it's, I was so far away from that. Um, you know, the fact is I spent more time coordinating events and productions than I was keeping myself in communion with God. Mm-hmm. You know, I was under a lot of stress and there was so much going on in my personal life where I felt that God was punishing me or neglecting my desires mm-hmm. uh, and the desire to, to do this type of work for him. Um, so I thought. Um, but the fact was, it was during this time that I allowed other things to get a foothold in my life and to become a stronghold eventually Mm. like habitual sin. Right. Um, which, you know, at that time I had had exposure to pornography. Yeah. Um, it started a year into mine and Ashley's marriage. Mm. So in 2011, that's whenever I was first seeking out. So you didn't struggle with that? Not your teenage years? Not at all. Really? Not at all. Even during like uh, small groups with like guys in the youth group, when they would be talking about it. Like, what are you talking about? Exactly. Mm. What are you talking about? I would just play, I would just go along with it. I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, how many times have you messed up this week? Oh, you know, many, but I don't know what they're talking about. I know. It's very, I was very, very sheltered. I'm only laughing just because that's so you. Like, I know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So a year into marriage, I'm exposed to this. Hmm. And, and, and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed, of course. I'm ashamed yeah, of right, this. Right. And it would be every now and then um, using that. But during this time, the 14 months working there, it, it was overdrive. Hmm. I was using all the time. Hmm. And looking back now, like that was me trying to gain control somewhere. Mm, yeah. Because everything yeah. else felt out of control. Yeah. In so many ways, like not just professionally at this church job, but also personally. Yeah. There were some other things going on that Ashley and I have shared in other podcasts. Yeah. Um, um, the Pain and Perseverance podcast. Yeah, we, yeah. We've shared our testimonies there. But during this time of being full time at the church, uh, it, it became near about an addiction. 
Yeah. Where it was close. Yeah. Almost daily. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible. But I, I'll talk more about this later on. But my point of brokenness was after I was done working at the church at Genesis. Um, a wonderful couple hired me to, to do custodial work with their company. And um, there was one particular time I broke down on the couch after a very hard day of getting to the job site. I had to use Star Metro. My truck was broken down. Um, you know, I had, you know, I was in the middle of a career change yeah. and, uh, you know, the bus was late. I was late getting to the job. And, uh, and so anyway, after a long day, I just broke down on the couch. I, I just hopelessly just wept. Yeah. I had never wept this hard in my life. Not even during the time I was working at the church. Hmm. Uh, there was a time at the church one Sunday morning. I was the very first person there. No one else was there. And I was in the front lobby. And I, I remember yelling at the top of my lungs, being so frustrated. I hate this place. Oh my gosh. And it echoed through the halls of that, that building. Mm. So fast forward to me after that job being yeah. done, sitting there on that couch. It was like a, it was Everything. no rage. It was just this hopeless no moving forward. I am stuck mm. weeping yeah. on this couch because at that moment I had realized that my dream was not real. My heart for ministry was gone and everything I had pushed to the side to make this, to make that work mm -hmm. was all for nothing. Um, and at that point I was thinking about, you know, the what if game. Like all those things I pushed to the side. Like, did I really do the right thing pushing acting to the side? Like, I was really good at it. I enjoyed it. Questioning every decision you made every, for the last 10 years. Every so. decision. Yeah, yeah. There was no area of my life exempt from that what if game. Mm. From my choice of major, choice of where to move, choice to who to marry. Ooh. That hit hard. Yeah. I love my wife. Even in my darkest times, like I know that I know that I know I love my wife uh -huh. with every part. But during that what if game, during that dangerous game, yeah. nothing's exempt. Yeah. You have, like, I'm pretty sure most people can relate to that at some level. At some point, there's that what if game. So I'm sitting here. And I'm, now I'm thinking, okay, well, this is where I'm at. What's next? I majored in a very niche, very specific major. I don't want to work with people anymore. Mm. Like, so whatever it is, whatever's next, like I'm going to have to attain something, some kind of a certification or means to make something work. So at that point, moving forward, uh, I tried to go into many different fields of work, uh, but none of them worked out. I tried to go into IT. Right. Passed the, the hardware part, yeah, remember right? That. But I kept failing the software portion of it. Hmm. I just couldn't wrap my mind around software hmm. and, and, and all that. So I ended up um, abandoning that. We took out some loans f for that schooling, but it just didn't yield any fruit. Uh, I, I considered going into um, like uh, insurance, like selling insurance and stuff. Okay. I'm like, you know what? I don't have the the demeanor. I don't yeah, have the personality for it. No, no. You have the you have the people personality, but you don't have the sales personality. That's right. Different. I can't connect that. Yeah. Um. And so I was trying my hardest to figure out how I can find work without having to like work with people in their mess. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's a level of working with people with IT and yeah, yeah. sales and all that stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
but I didn't want to deal with people and, and like really develop relationship with them. Yeah. Is at that point I was kind of over people. <clears throat> <clears throat> so, um, cause you're still only like 25, 26 at this point. Absolutely. Still okay. young. Um, and at that point I re I, I, I vowed I would never work at a church again. Hmm. Moving forward at this point, um, the only ones, the only jobs that ever did work out and the doors would open were the ones where I had to work closely with people, yeah. specifically kids and teenagers. Hmm. God totally has a sense of irony. Yeah, he does. Um, especially now, as of today, I work full time with college students and they're trying to figure out their lives. Right? Yeah. That's a, right? Yeah. Because at this point in the story that I'm sharing, like I, I don't know what, what's going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What? I don't know what's next. Quitting this job as family's pastor, I eventually got to a point of acceptance with how things transpired. And I began to move forward with contentment and to not ask too much out of my career. You know what? I'm just going to get a job. Let's just yeah. do it. All the while not addressing my bitterness and the sin that had become such a stronghold over my, my secret life. Yeah. Fast forward six years into the future, near the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Like literally right at the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as of right now, literally a year ago, almost to the day uh, before Memorial Day of last year, mm -hmm. you, Lyle, asked me about <laughs> recording my testimony for sure. Red Hill Stories. Sure did. And I agreed to it thinking that everything was, you know, okay yeah, with me. I thought fine. I was over everything. Yeah. But when we sat down and I started sharing my story as a preliminary thing before actually recording, um, you know, to talk about what God had done in my life. You know, I got lost. I got yeah. lost in my story. It, yeah. It there was, were loopholes. Well, and loopholes, it was just, it became pretty clear pretty quick that you had not dealt at all. No. With the pain, um, everything that you had been through, uh, you were you were struggling with finding the good mm -hmm. and all of that. It was yeah. very apparent. Yeah, and, and you did a good job of asking me questions in order to help me navigate the story. Yeah. To try to identify that. Yeah. But I couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't see I, it. I couldn't. The reason why is because God was still working. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and so at this same time, Lyle, of, of you approaching me, this was probably like a month or two into the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so at home, being secluded to home, being with family, with, with Ashley and Stanley, Stanley's like three or four at this time. I'm, no, four, yeah. I was in close proximity with them. Uh, I really started to, uh, to realize I had unresolved issues yeah. because of being in close quarters with them. Like um, my issues, the unresolved issues were these four main things. My bitterness about how my life had turned out. Mm -hmm. You know, my life made no sense at that point. Number two, anger towards the leadership that was over me back then three, the insecurity about my identity. You know, it was always centered around that title of youth pastor. Yeah. Uh, that became an idol to me. And number four, my dependence on pornography, my habitual secret sin, uh, that only a few knew about, and I would put band-aids over, over time, but, but I still needed to gain a s sense of control. Mm -hmm. So I always went back to that. So what was the, um, 
if you were to look back and say like what was preventing you like when you when you walked away from being a youth pastor um and you had that you know those next couple of years and you said like like a loophole or you want to say like a gap or mm-hmm. like where you just just refused to do de- not refuse it's probably the tough word but you didn't deal with that what was preventing you was it like what kept you from saying okay denial um, denial mm-hmm. denying that i still had issues that i was holding on to mm. I, I like i you know i was able to verbalize to ashley you know i forgive i forgive yeah i, I we're all human we're all sinners i just need to give grace yeah and i just it that's all true. Yeah. But I was just glazing over. I wasn't digging deep. I wasn't really evaluating truly where I was. It's so funny you said forgiveness because I found a quote. This is a pretty popular quote from C.S. Lewis. It's, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to say it. But uh, everybody thinks much of forgiveness until they have something to forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where you were at. Yeah. yeah. You You liked the idea of forgiveness and you you understood the concept of what it meant to forgive. And maybe in some ways in your heart, you had started the process of trying to forgive, but you had not relinquished the Mm -hmm. control that the hurt had on you. And so every time it would pop up, it was like a wildfire and it would pull everything back out out of you, all that stuff, the impatience, you know, all the the bitterness and insecurity, anger, all that kind of stuff. Right. Whenever, when we were talking, I could feel it coming. You were, and you were holding back. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to talk about it. And then you get mad and then you would kind of like, I could see it in your, like literally within like a, a two or three minute period, you would bring up something. You, I could tell it was raw. Mm-hmm. It was raw. Mm-hmm. Um, but you push it down. Yeah. Cause you didn't want to, like, you didn't want to deal with it. And so I think denial is a, is a good term yeah. for what you were dealing with. And, and it's really important to, to, to point out is that my issues, did not start no. from my failed job. No, it it started before then, and it went into that job, and then a lot of mess and a lot of insecurity, a lot of heightened emotions. Yeah, just absolutely. really solidified a lot of things and really pushed them down. And then as I moved forward beyond that job, it was all just pretty much dormant underneath yeah. everything, yeah. under the facade, the mask that I would have, especially on Sunday mornings. Good gosh. Like there was a time before we started Red Hills, like um, it, it was like three or four months before we went to church again. Yeah. Uh, but Ashley's like, I really want to go to Red Hills. Like I, I, I hear like of our good friends, like they, they recommend it. And so I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll go with you. And then that first Sunday, it was just the way worship and that way the service, it was over at the American Legion by Lake Ella. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I didn't want to be there, I could tell like there was something really different about this atmosphere and there was no production to be seen, <laughs> which was refreshing to me. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, that, that was, that was like, that was still, really, that there was still really isn't cool. any, there still isn't any production. No, like, that, it has even been. though there's a stage and lights, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this still doesn't feel like a production. Yeah. It's, we, we, the lights are on so that we could see. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so yeah, my issues didn't just. I'm not here just to cast blame on that. No, no. Or the leadership of there, like we all. I no. Then everybody's grown from that. We've had those conversations. Mm, absolutely. So, so yeah. So from those four things, those four unresolved issues, from those uh, led to the symptoms that 
was noticed by Ashley, mm-hmm. you know, and number one, like that was fits of rage. Mm-hmm. I would have fits of rage when things didn't go my way. Um, because of, you know, that lack of control. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one was impatience. I, there would be times, many times, especially during pan, early pandemic, I would snap at Ashley because of my impatience and I would snap at Stanley. Mm. Like he's four. Like you, you, you have to have patience with your little kids. You, you have to, you have to have patience. Yeah. And so I would snap for the most asinine S- things. S- silly things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my lack of compassion, I had a lack of compassion. I, I would not fully listen and be there for Ashley when she would need to voice her concerns or anything that's going on that she's want, needing her husband, yeah. you know, to, to vent to and to talk and process through. I had compassion fatigue at that point. Like after coming out of that job, uh, you know, with the other close friends and, and family who's pastors, like, you know, compassion fatigue that's that's been a topic of a discussion before right like that's a real thing and it can happen at any time so i really use that compassion fatigue as a an excuse I, I, we need to draw a, point. we need to draw a line so i think we skipped over it and okay. maybe if you if maybe you talked about it and i and i missed it but okay. there was something that came out of our discussion that wasn't just the pain from those times at that church because there was there was something that was rooted you've already talked about it the, the 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 line was and the things that are causing the fits of rage and impatience all that kind of stuff but what what came out of that is you were still very heavily using pornography oh uh-huh yep and that was the root of like the way you dealt with the pain the way you dealt with the frustration and all of these things is you would seek pornography to be that thing that kind mm-hmm. of like made you feel better but then cuz you knew you were dealing with sin these are the these are the the fruits, so to speak, mm-hmm. of of that underlying problem mm-hmm. that you weren't talking about. Yes, yes, absolutely. I thought, I thought somehow we skipped over that. It I was apologize. a crazy cycle that would uh, replenish itself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, which all ultimately leads to selfishness. Yeah. And so, you know, with that, like, I wanted a lot of me time. I really threw myself at hobbies, mm. like um, songwriting. Like I, even though what I was writing about was like good, wholesome, like even biblical things, I, I I threw myself into that hobby. Um, I threw myself into these side ventures because I am an achiever. Like that's how I'm made. And so I I would not want to be with family. I would just be like, I'm going to go to the back shed and work on this, that, or whatever. Um, like I was always finding a way out to get away, to be by myself. So what was, okay. So after that conversation, um, I, I I can't remember. We met the cigars at Tallahassee, something like that. Mm -hmm. I remember it was a long, I think it was like almost at midnight. Um, Mm -hmm. we just sat in the parking lot and talked. And after that, you know, you had to go home and you talked about how, you you know, you, you talked it over with Ashley and things you kind of confessed there. Yeah. Like when did you, when did the healing like what was the what were the steps that led you to finally, you know, not just confess but begin the healing process of dealing with all that past pain, dealing with all that hurt, dealing with all the selfishness and all these fits of rage and impatience mm-hmm. and anger, all these things. What what was the catalyst then to to begin that healing? So after that meeting with you, I did a lot of thinking. I, I didn't necessarily pray. Yeah. But I did a lot of thinking, and I knew that I had I had a lot of work cut out for me. 
Um, and I was prepping myself to go into fix it mode right. like I had been in the past. Like I knew that pornography had to go because mm -hmm. twice before I've repented of that to Ashley. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to do maybe three times a charm and it'll stick this time, right. you know, with me fixing it. Um, but the breaking point was when Ashley said to me one day after we were, uh, working in our kitchen, uh, working on that, getting new tile where we were, oh my gosh, what's the word I'm looking at? Uh, renovating? renovating the kitchen. Uh, I snapped at, I think Stanley for something that was literally, there was no reason for me to do that. Hmm. But Ashley had reached her limit and she looked at me and she says, whatever you need to work out in your life to change how you're treating us, you need to figure it out. I am not going to put up with this any longer. Hmm. Now, exactly what she mean, meant by that, like, I don't, I don't even want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walked outside to our backyard and I just, I just, uh, I was like, God, just open my eyes. Hmm. I just, I need to see. I need to really see what's going on. Um, and uh, this was after that meeting with you, obviously. And then uh, then a week later after that, on Memorial Day, May 25th, 2020, on the verge of midnight, hold, the Holy Spirit gave me the gift of repentance regarding my sin with pornography and how I'd been treating my family. Mm. At that point, I had been using porn for nine years. And I had grown so numb to it that I didn't even think twice about using it. Like it was a literal blind spot in my mind. I knew it was wrong, but then I was like, you know, that was it. That was the last time I'm using. Yeah. But that would happen. And so, uh, yeah. So at this point, uh, I repented of my sin to God with, with my whole heart that night. Then three days later, finally, building, building it up, I repented to Ashley. And that was the hardest thing. Yeah. A third time, I thought we had set up all the the boundaries and the, and the, the blockers and everything. But so, and then the next day after that, after I repented to Ashley, I think it was on a Friday, I called uh, Pastor Marshall to inform mm -hmm. him of my repentance and to apologize for leading worship. Cause at this time you were, mm -hmm. uh, we were in a kind of a season of our church where we had our worship leader had stepped down and we, we're leaning on you heavily to uh, kind of yeah. fill in some gaps. And a few others, yeah. Yeah, a few mm -hmm. others. So yeah. you were leading our church. In uh, yeah. 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 And yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, um, but then that same day, I called you as well. Yeah. Um, to seek out accountability, which has been great, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but also, I sought out professional counseling as well. Mm hmm. Um, that was provided by my work. Um, I met with a counselor a total of five times. I was able to articulate everything in a new way that allowed me to further process my issues. And, um, you know, I was able to benefit from their active listening and input. And this was, you know, such a pleasant surprise too. So that it was, you know, helpful. Cause I know yeah. that there's like a, within the church, there yeah, can be a stigma. A, a stigma. But no, I think, I think counseling professional help when you're dealing with stuff like this, you know, churches, pastors, we can help, we can mm -hmm. counsel, yes. but there's uh there's something to be said to get outside help from somebody you can just talk to and just, you know, you, you don't have to see on Sundays. Uh, I guess my question is going to be this. Um, I'm hearing everything that you're saying. And I, I just, I guess why this time, mm. you know, I hear the repentance, but you've repented before. Mm -hmm. Right. 
um, you, twice. This is now your third time. Um, it's almost like the Peter, you know, like Jesus coming back to Peter. Uh, what, why, why this time have you been, I hate to use the word successful, but what was the thing that ultimately changed inside of you that told you, okay, um, I don't understand that the statement from Ashley was, I mean, wives play, the Holy Spirit will use our wives in such powerful ways to, 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 cause you know, only our, our spouses can know us as, as well as God does only our spouses, nobody else on earth, even our mamas yeah. don't know us as well as our spouses. Right. And they have God, God uses them to, um, ask us questions and to kind of call us out when we're, when we're being idiots. <laughs> uh, but what, what, but, but this time, why have you been able to take it more seriously? What, what, what was that thing? What, why, why this time and not the other time? What, what's the big difference in the two or the three? The times before I was wanting to reduce, mm. I was wanting to minimize the problem. I wanted to, um, put a bandaid over it and just, just focus on really the symptoms, you know? Yeah. But this time around, I knew that there were roots to those symptoms, which was actually the issues yeah. of bitterness, anger, insecurity, dependence on my sin. Like those, those were the issues. And, and it was there that I repented of those. Mm. It wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to change my behavior, yeah. which was twice before. Right. Because that was all the emphasis was on me. I will, I will change my, my, my behavior. This time around, I even said this to the counselor I met with, and he just so happens to be a believer hmm. in Jesus as well. Um, so grateful for him. But uh, but he even told me, like, you know what? This is meeting number three, and God's doing a miracle in your life. Like, with what you're sharing and, and the ha what's going on, like, praise God, you know? Yeah. Um, because I was allowing the Holy Spirit to do to uproot all those. Yeah. Cause it sounds like before you actually didn't repent. No. Yeah. Not wholeheartedly. Right. Not at all. You had always held back something. Right. Uh, some, some amount of truth. Yeah. Um, and so I guess what we're getting at is the difference between this time mm -hmm. and the previous attempts to fix this problem was yeah. that word repentance. Right. Like there was, when there's repentance, there's shame, right? Yeah. There's shame that comes with that in the, in the act of doing that. The, the two times before there was shame involved. So I thought, okay, this is repentance, mm -hmm. but no, this was just shame that Ashley knows. Yeah, right, this yeah. is shame that this brother in Christ knows, mm -hmm. you know, and now he's my accountability partner. Like yeah, yeah. I'm putting him in this position of, I still get the, that I still get the emails that show me what in your screenshots yep. of what you've seen on your Absolutely. phone. And that is so wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so, you have a weird Pokemon addiction. No, I'm kidding. It was a joke. <laughs> that is like, I I like a lot of pop culture things, but Pokemon is not one of them. Not even as a kid. Like, I did not know. I was trying to think of the most random thing that could pop up on somebody's, an adult man. But I guess Pokemon these days would be kind of normal for some people. So, yeah. Anywho, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. To each their own. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, I, I, like that day on Memorial Day of last year, um, I was just wrecked. Yeah in our living room floor. Everyone else was asleep. Um, and, uh, I was just wrecked. I, I had just watched the movie. Uh, I can only imagine. 
and like I was pleasantly surprised by that movie. Yeah, it was not terrible. And I was even more surprised that I was ministered to by it. <laughs> like I, I don't mean that to knock. It was a great movie. Yeah, done I, I really well. But the message really cut to me. Because mm. um, uh, that that character in that movie, the main character, like someone told him, "Hey, whatever it is you're running from, whatever it is that you need, you have unresolved issues. You need to fix it, or you're or you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to." You know what I mean? Like you're going to be holding your, you'll be held back. Yeah. And so, uh, so walking out this repentance here during this season, uh, I sat, we sat down, Ashley and I went over to Marshall's house, sat down and got spiritual uh, counseling uh, guidance from him. And he was able to speak specifically to me about, about issues and uh, so grateful for that time um, because he was able to speak directly to yeah, yeah. my situation, our situation. And, uh, and so, and when, and I'll never forget this. He mentioned like, you know, Justin, it is possible to never use this again, That's to right. use that again. There are men in this world who have allowed God to do work in their heart and their mind to where they have new desires. Absolutely. And you can be one of those. Mm-hmm. You can be one of those. And I'll be praying for that. Mm. And that has stuck with me. Um, also, with the the fact that you know what, Justin, pornography has been your struggle. No, you know, y'all situation, like with what y'all have shared, and uh, you know, before with other people about um, struggles within your marriage. Like, no wonder the enemy's using pornography to come at you mm-hmm. and beat you down. Like, no wonder it's, it's, of course he is like, yeah. how lazy can the enemy be to use that? Like yeah. his tricks are not, you know, right. They're obvious. Yeah. He'll find that weak spot and go for it every time. Mm. So I'm like, he's like, so anyway, that was very helpful to hear. Yeah. Um, so when was the, when was the last time? I mean, over the last year, mm-hmm. what's, I hate to use the word success rate, but how, how have you been the last year? Since coming clean to Ashley and hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent in a year. I mean, that's incredible, man. Mm-hmm. That's so incredible. And and it's only because of the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as I backing up, like maybe a month, month and a half after I repented and mm-hmm. came came out in the open with all of this, a huge turning point happened, and I and I have to share this. Yeah, go ahead. So a month after repenting to Ashley, we went on a family camping trip. And this was out near like Apalachicola. And on the way, Stanley fell asleep in the back of the truck, which left uh, Ashley, you know, me to be able to talk freely. So we turned off the radio. Uh, we turned off the radio and we just talked. And she was able to share her thoughts and feelings and insecurities. Uh, and I was able to do the same. And uh, as I was sharing my side and sharing what was going on with me, I was surprised by how much of what I shared with Ashley actually, actually caught her off guard and it was new to her. Like she had no idea. So at that point I had no clue um, that I had shut her out that much because really that's what sin does. Like sin separates and isolates. So during that drive to the campsite, everything was said. Mm. that needed to be said. Um, and when we got to the campsite and we started building, like building the tent, getting things in order, we were the only people at this site. And it mm. was right there on a lake. And the water was very still. 
wasn't moving. The sun was about to set. There was this orange and pinkish yeah, peach yeah. hues in the yeah. sky. Clouds just really making those p- colors pop. Now I'm going camping after this. Then. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and the weather was just right. Stanley was in a good mood, <laughs> which Praise made Jesus. it even better. Praise Jesus. Yes. Uh, but, like, we were building this site. And as I was watching me and my family mm. set up this campsite, building this campsite, it's like the Holy Spirit just kind of in my mind just said, you know, building, get used to that. Yeah. Rebuilding. Get used to that. Mm, that's good. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that was, that was the part, that was the moment that, um, my repentance came to, yeah, came to full, like the weight of grace yeah, that's and good. mercy in that moment. The restoration. I just, <sighs> I walked away to the water. Hey, I'm going to check out the water. And y'all be over here. But I went over there to be by myself just for a minute because I just, I needed to cry. <laughs> no one's surprised that's listening to this. I needed to cry because I was overwhelmed by what God was doing. Mm. I was overwhelmed. God is so good. Like, I don't deserve my family. I don't deserve my wife. I do not. Mm. She has shown so much grace. And uh, leading up to this point in my mind, I was like, oh, when are we going to have a second kid? When are we going to have a second child? And Ashley's not ready. There were complications. I understand that. Like, yeah. And I've never, I've never made my wife feel uh, terrible for not wanting to try sooner. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. I, it's, you, you're the one putting yeah, the heavy right, lifting. That's right, that's right, that's like, right. it is up to you. So at that point, um, now looking back, uh, you know, right now, as of today, yeah. Ashley's 38 weeks you're, you're pregnant. and Two more weeks, buddy. We're about to have a little girl. Yeah. Um, Cameron. And um, so as more and more time continues on, like, and I look back, uh, I have all the more reasons to worship. Yeah, I mean, I have uh, I watched you the last year. We've talked. Uh, you know, it took a, it was about four or five months of kind of just – following up and then there was that we had I remember I was meeting after church one Sunday and I just said look this is the tough you, you've, you've made it through the first four or five months and now it is the grinding type mm-hmm. where you are now just you know you're living this out now right mm-hmm. um, and just since then right uh, that last maybe nine months we'll call it since then I have seen a lot of so much growth in you and watching you and Ashley together uh, mm-hmm. You know, remark. It's remarkable uh, what God has done in your marriage to see the way you guys interact with each other and the kindness now that I see from both of you. Um, to watch you guys and the, the growth from the last year. You know, you're back leading worship. You know, you're sitting. You know, Christy's working with you guys, and um, it's been amazing to watch Jesus in y'all's lives because uh, it's easy. the The easy thing for you to to have done. Because you could have walked away from everything, right? You could you told you you told God you know six years ago, however many years ago, seven eight, I'm yeah. never going to work in church again. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the audacity of feeling like that is, uh, we have that kind of power. But then to see God's grace back, full circle, and you're being led back into the ministry. Maybe it's not full time. Maybe it's not working at a church. You know mm-hmm. that. But God is using you at Red Hills. 
yeah. you know, you're leading worship, every, you know, once a month at the very least. Right. Um, and so to see that, to see the, 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 the full circle, you know, kind of effect of grace in someone's life, um, it's so uplifting and it, it encourages us because uh, so many times we don't get to see that, you know, the, like the, the analogy of sowing the seeds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you sow the seed and you never get to see the tree. Mm-hmm. Or the, like you're going back to your farming example, the patience needed. Because, you know, it takes six months to yield a crop mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, More than that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what it is, depends, right? Depends, right. You know, I mean, tomatoes come in, you know, a few months. But mm-hmm. uh, my point is saying that to be able to see the seed sowed yeah. and the Holy Spirit water it and to see you grow. Because you're how old, how old are you now? 33. 33. you still got more to grow, mm-hmm. right? And God, I, I, I would encourage you not to put down youth ministry, not to put down the things that you feel that God did call you to that maybe weren't the right time, right? Right? Maybe God does have some of that. I, I don't know. I don't know what the Holy Spirit has in store for you. But mm-hmm. to shut him out completely is... is um, is weakness on our part because yeah. he's mighty yeah. and he can do so much. And at 33, you know, it's, uh, it's incredible. So I just want to thank you, Justin, for, uh, your willingness to share your story, um, to be open, to be vulnerable, uh, to share the things that you've, you've, you've talked about because I know they're not easy. Yeah. Um, and especially in a format where now that's out there, you know, things that mm-hmm. were very shameful for you a year ago, now, so this is, I, I know we're going long and people are like, this is the longest podcast. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we talked about when we met a year ago was that like the, the, the shame that you had and your unwillingness to share, right, um, was the thing that was keeping you from hiding all of that. And the thing that you couldn't do, that was very hard for you, is you couldn't look back to your past and see how God was working in the past, and then see how He's came. He's brought you to where you were right then. I'm nodding my head right yeah. now. Yeah, you are. I am. Um, and I <laughs> and I can tell you from now interviewing what however many people I've interviewed for this and talking with and all, in, in all of ministry, not just for the podcast. That is one of the the biggest struggles that most people have. They can't mm-hmm. look back to their 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 past sin, their past hurt, their past whatever, and see God working. And I feel that. Part of the repentance, part of the healing process is you know you're healing when you can look in the past and smile. Mm-hmm. No yeah. matter how hard it was and no matter how much pain it still causes when you think about it, when you can look back to your past and just, man, you got the biggest grin. It's a Jesus grin. Yeah. And this, the, all the pearly whites are all showing, right? Because you can yeah. only see Jesus working. That's the healing. Yeah. And that's what I see in you now is when you talk about it, you you're st- it's still raw, but you're smiling, mm-hmm. and that's different. That's yeah. the different than the guy I talked to a year ago. And so when we scheduled this episode, a year later, after I talking with you, I knew you were ready because you had started the healing process, and you could look back. Because I can't do this with somebody. I cannot have this interview with somebody who can't look back and smile. Right. It's, it's not. It, it, it. You still got work to do, and you've and you've done that work. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. I I really am. Um, I'm going to say thank you, but proud mm. to see what you've walked through. Because that guy that I saw at that church who wasn't ready is not the same man that's, that's sitting two feet from me. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>